0: Vox Quick Hits. Is Joe Biden coming for your beef? That's the rumor that's taken hold among Republicans. They say, falsely to be clear, that part of the White House's climate plan is to limit people to just one burger a month, among other measures. Here's former Trump economic advisor Larry Kudlow talking about it on Fox Business. Speaking of stupid, there's a study coming out of the University of Michigan which says that to meet the Biden Green New Deal targets, America has to, get this, America has to stop eating meat, stop eating poultry, fish, seafood, eggs, dairy, and animal-based fats. Okay, you got that? While Biden's strike on steak may be fake, the world's reliance on meat is bad for the planet. And if the White House really wants to get serious about climate change, it might need to get serious about factory farming, too. Vox senior correspondent Zach Beecham is here to discuss why meat may be the next front of America's culture war. So what is this story going around about Biden banning meat? Am I really allowed to only eat one burger a month?
1: Yes, there will now be police coming to your home. They will check your burger <laughs> consumption. They will measure the amount in your fridge, and they will see whether or not you have burger. This is this is the Biden Stasi, <laughs> burger Stasi. No, look, more seriously, uh, this has been all over conservative media. Well, it really got its its legs on Fox News, but if you trace it all the way back, it comes from a, a piece in the Daily Mail, which is a British tabloid. It's kind of known for sensationalist overstated coverage. And so the Daily Mail piece basically tried to analyze how one could get to Biden's recent climate pledge of cutting emissions by roughly 50% in 10 years or so. And there's one study from the University of Michigan that suggested that you would need to cut 90% of beef consumption plus 50% of all other animal product consumption in the United States in order to get to a 50% reduction by 2030. So that's like what the Daily Mail piece said. It's like to hit Biden's target— you really should only be able to eat one hamburger a month. Their math's a little bit off. There are a bunch of problems with the mail story. But the big problem, the thing that really matters, is that they suggested that this Michigan study was representative of the Biden plan, or at least it might be something that Biden might want to embrace at one point. Their wording was a little cagey, but not cagey enough to prevent Fox News from dishonestly making it seem like the Daily Mail had come up with some kind of scoop about what Biden was trying to do. Say goodbye to your burgers if you want to sign up for the Biden climate agenda. That's the finding of one study. Researchers say you'd have to cut about 90% of red meat from your diet. For Americans, that means a limit of four pounds of red meat per year, or break that down further, a single average-sized burger every month. In actuality, there's nothing about regulating meat consumption or production in Biden's climate proposals, nothing like concrete and clear anyway that would have a large effect on the industry. It's just like it's it's not a thing. This is all based on one misleading write-up of what could possibly be done to help reach Biden's targets.
0: Right. And to be clear, a misleading write-up from a British tabloid that made its way to the Fox News universe—
1: And then from there, you saw, you know, the governor of Texas tweeting about it. Donald Trump Jr. was tweeting about it. There were multiple Fox segments about it, including one where Larry Kudlow, who is Trump's economic advisor, warned of a 4th of July where people would be forced to eat, quote unquote, plant-based beer. No burgers on July 4th. No steaks
0: on the Barbie. I'm sure middle America is just going to love that. Can you grill those Brussels sprouts? So get ready. Ready? You can throw back a plant-based beer with your grilled Brussels sprouts and wave your American flag. Call it July 4th green. By the way, that that's
1: all beer, <laughs> right? He does not know how <laughs> beer is made. And also grilled Brussels sprouts, which I, if Larry wants to come over to my house and have my grilled Brussels sprouts, they're like super good. He can complain about that all he wants. But personally, I would enjoy a 4th of July with plant-based beer and grilled Brussels sprouts. Anyway, that's the kind of panic you've been seeing in the Fox News cinematic universe. On Friday, we told you about a study from the University of Michigan to give some perspective on President Biden's ambitious climate change goals. That research from 2020 found that cutting back how much red meat people eat would have a drastic impact on harmful greenhouse gas emissions. The data was accurate, but a graphic and a script incorrectly implied that it was part of Biden's plan for dealing with climate change. That is not the case.
0: And to be clear here, Biden's climate plan doesn't say anything about meat consumption or industrial farming even, really.
1: No. I mean, their climate policies at this point are a little bit disjointed. Like, I don't know what the comprehensive overarching structure of their climate policy will be. I know what the targets are because of the recent announcement during the International Climate Summit Mm -hmm. that Biden was hosting recently. But I don't know exactly what measures they're going to do in all different sectors of the economy to get there. There is no indication that they're going to pursue some kind of serious cutback of meat production, And, and largely for the reasons why this panic has spread like wildfire on Fox News, right? People really like meat, and proposals to stop people from eating meat would be extremely unpopular, probably unenforceable. So there's not going to be any kind of federal meat reduction mandate. It's just it's just it's not a real policy that anyone in the climate sphere or really the realistic animal rights movement even has proposed.
0: I guess my question then is, Okay, Joe Biden is not coming for your burger on the 4th of July. But should we be talking about meat consumption when we are talking about climate change? Should we be talking about industrial farming?
1: Uh, Yes. I think you can't really talk about climate change if you don't talk about those things seriously. And before I get into the reasons why, I just want to draw a clear distinction between the solutions that are proposed here. You can talk about reducing meat consumption without saying there's going to be some kind of ban on the production of meat or regulations on consumption levels. You can talk about introducing different ways of producing meat. For example, lab-grown meat is one of the most promising alternatives for plant-based things like Impossible Burger that taste a lot like meat. You can talk about uh, regulations on factory farming and waste runoff from factory farming. Ultimately, people need to be incentivized in some way by society more broadly to reduce buying their meat. If we don't reduce agricultural-related emissions. Then the target in the Paris Climate Accords of 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming, we can't hit that target. In the agricultural sector, a huge percentage of the emissions are related to meat production. There's just like, there's no way around this. The way we produce meat right now is unsustainable.
0: Why is farming bad for the environment? Because I think to a lot of people, it seems like it would be good.
1: Having a lot of animals is bad. Specifically, the kinds of animals like cows, take up a lot of land, so you end up cutting down a lot of forests. That's one of the leading causes of deforestation in the Amazon, is the Brazilian beef industry. The second is that the cows themselves, and this is like a little bit gross, they emit methane through burps, farts, and poops. And Mm -hmm. like it it sounds gross, but it's actually very, very serious. Methane is worse than carbon dioxide in climate change terms. And so when you have a lot of cows, they're creating all of this waste. And the waste itself, by virtue just of the cows existing, is contributing to increased warming. So uh, those are two simple problems, right? Like deforestation, we need trees to prevent climate change, and just the sheer number of animals. And there are other more subtle ones. Factory farms... You know, the kind of industrialized, extremely cruel agriculture we use in the United States isn't just bad for the animals. It's, it's, it's unconscionable for the animals. But it's also the case that when you put a bunch of animals together in one place, the waste problem gets worse. And our sister podcast, Future Perfect, did a whole episode on this. You have what are called poop lagoons in technical nomenclature, where you get huge amounts of animal waste that basically combine and exacerbate the general effect of each individual animal's waste when they're put together in this big pit. So there are lots and lots of different ways that the meat industry, just sort of by virtue of what it is, causes climate change, right? Like if you give the animals a lot of land, that's a problem. If you concentrate them all in one place, one small, horrible, penned-in area... That's a problem. And if you just have a lot of animals, that's a problem. There is no way around the problem, which is we eat too much meat and we breed too many cows as a result.
0: So you kind of alluded to this before, but as much as the White House should do something about meat-related emissions, it's not super likely. What are the obstacles here, I guess, in the United States to really addressing our relationship with meat and how much we eat of it?
1: Yeah, look, the, the biggest problem is that people like to eat meat, right? Yeah. This is true in the United States. It's true pretty much everywhere on the planet, and there's no way that's going to change anytime in the near future. Um, so that's one big problem. Another one is that there are just a lot of political forces that are aligned against any kind of meat reduction effort, right? So we have a Democrat in the White House. Democrats are the ones that take climate change seriously, but Republicans— then have an incentive to demagogue basically any democratic policy. It's the way they've operated in the past few years. And meat is an especially powerful cudgel for them to wield against climate change policies because so many people eat meat and because it's especially resonant with Republican fears about the Democratic Party in in two key respects I think. The the general cultural own the libs side of the Republican Party is really invested in traditional ideals of what American society is like that includes the associations between masculinity and meat production, you know, grilling on the 4th of July, that sort of thing. And it also includes the the image of the self-reliant farmer who made the American West. And these cultural images are really potent. So the meat issue really activates that kind of conservative opposition. And at the same time, it activates opposition from the meat industry, who, for obvious reasons, wants people to eat even more meat than they are already eating, not less. So any effort to reduce American meat consumption will be met with both a a significant level of cultural backlash and a well-funded opposition from a very, very wealthy industry that has basically an existential stake in the issue.
0: I mean, (laughs) I'm not conservative. I'm, you know, consider myself fairly progressive, but like, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. I guess the question is like, for somebody like me looking at this, who's like, wait a minute, I can still have a burger, right? Like, what's kind of the answer there for people who maybe want to do better, but also every once in a while want to hit up McDonald's?
1: The best answer, the one that makes the most sense to me, is that we can science our way out of this problem. Since you're not going to get people to quit meat realistically, or at least as many people as one might expect, you need to come up with ways for people to get that meat fix without destroying the environment and leading to like mass torture of animals. And lab grown meat strikes me as the best of these, of the various different alternatives. Though beyond and impossible style, like meat substitutes are getting better and better. Like actually creating meat in a laboratory seems like a, a way of addressing concerns from people like you, right? Because you can still get your meat. It tastes exactly like a burger. Or it, it should, in theory. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. And it just doesn't have any of the environmental or ethical consequences that the general agricultural industry does. You have to think about policies that appeal to a, a much larger group of people. And I think that the, the climate movement is doing that, right? There are probably a lot of people who are Pretty invested in climate change, who also, like you, Emily, like to eat meat. And so there are a lot of there's a lot of creative thinking around things like lab-grown meat and around restructuring farming so the environmental impact isn't quite so severe. I'm just worried that even those measures are going to get pulled into the culture war because of the the polarized nature of American politics and the powerful political incentives Republicans have to say Democrats are coming for your meat.
0: So basically. Your meat's not going away anytime soon, despite what Republicans would maybe like you to think. But we, this is something that we should really be thinking about and talking about um, if we want to help the planet and animals.
1: Yeah. You just have to think of different ways to get people satisfaction for this kind of protein. I, I have given up trying to persuade everybody I know to stop eating meat because it would just make me obnoxious and would probably fail most of the time, try to be a nice vegetarian.
0: Well, thanks so much for being here and for uh, talking about this. This is a deeper one than I thought it was going to (laughs) be.
1: Thanks, Emily. I'm glad I could take Biden bans burgers and turn it into, uh, you know, something that's actually worth talking about.
0: Yeah, cool. Thanks so much. Bye. Zach Beecham is a senior correspondent at Vox, and you can find him on Twitter at Zach Beecham. I'm Emily Stewart, and this is Tell Me More. Our producer is Sophie Lalonde. You can find more stories from Vox in the Vox Quick Hits feed wherever you get your podcasts. Let us know what you want to learn more about. Email us your questions at tellmemore at voxmedia.com.